A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. So we interrupt this great podcast that you're listening to. My name is Kevin Rayfuse. I'm Tim Tompkins. And I'm Justin Kuzart. And we host the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. We cover every team in the league and a bunch of really fun segments like random NBA player, drive and doogle, and hot takes from Reddit. So when you're done listening to this podcast, give us a search on iTunes or whatever podcast streaming app you're listening on. We're also at driveanddishpodcast.com. We are the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Dada-ist NBA podcast, because nothing makes sense anymore. Um, it is Monday, February 6, 2017, and I'm your host, Joe Borelli. What's up, people? Coming at you live from my studio in Brooklyn, except for, well, I'm live, and hopefully we'll still be alive by the time you hear this, but you won't hear it live. You know, it's, it's, it's I don't know why I say live. You know, it's like I'm on the radio. It's like... You know what's funny is, when I was a kid, I used to listen, my mother would put on these radio programs for me when I was when I was little. Like, I grew up in a very religious house, right? And one of the ways my mom would get us interested in their religion, I suppose, is to play these um, radio plays for us, like David and Goliath. She would put on these, these record, records and record players. I don't know. They were some of my favorite things in, in the world, right? I love the idea of being able to just... Um, build a world in your mind rather than see it on on a screen. So, like, I don't. I, obviously, you all know this, but when you're watching a movie in the theater or you're watching something on TV, um, you know you're obviously uh, subject to the director, right? You're you're seeing their vision, what they have in their head, not what you're have. You know, not what you would have in yours. And so, I mean, like. This is obviously why people love reading books, right? Except for for me, when I'm reading a book, I mean, I love books too, don't get me wrong. But when I'm reading a book, uh, it takes often so much freaking concentration to get through the words. Um, like, not always, but sometimes like, you know, I, I, you have to be conscious of the page. You have to be, you have to read it. And, and, in, order, and in doing that, a lot of times for me, it keeps me from truly entering into a world in my mind, right? Like I have to be cognizant of what I'm reading. I have to be conscious of the page. I have to keep moving forward and and actively pursue this thing. Like my I have to I have to read, right? Reading is beautiful. Reading is lovely. I do all a lot of it all the time because well I have to for work. I have to read emails and I, I read the news like crazy because I'm obsessed with what's happening in our government right now. But when 
I'm on the train and I can plug in or just completely unplug and put headphones in and listen to somebody else narrate for me. Like when you're listening to an audiobook or when you're listening to a podcast and there are some really great podcasts. Like I think, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you guys, and if you don't know about lore podcast, Aaron Menke, uh, there's some free advertising for lore. I love lore podcast. If you guys like horror, that's a good one. Um, old time radio, they do, um, it's program called the horror. There's more free advertising, but I don't care. These are great podcasts. And so they build these worlds. Like when you're in back in the, the thirties and forties and fifties before, you know, the advent of television, before television became uh, accessible for everyone and they can go and, you know, gather on the TV. When, when people were younger, they would have to gather around, or obviously we know this, you know, back in the earlier days of, you know, Americana and what everyone likes to, wants to turn this country back into idiots. Um, people would gather their families around the radio or so we, you know, we were allowed to believe, but people would listen to radio programs. And in this, uh, in some of these podcasts out there, man, they, you know, you get to hear these really old, old radio things and they build actual plays. It's as if you are, you know, watching on TV, they have like characters and these scripts and they, it's really genius stuff. I love it so much. Um, but so for me, when I, you know, when I say, hey, I'm coming at you live, I always like kind of like to think of myself as building this little world, you know, and I, I get to tell you guys stories, although, you know, my stories often don't go anywhere and I have really not that much to say. Um, it's just, it's fun for me. So it's fun for me and I'm glad that you guys get to come along for the ride and I hope it's fun for you too. Um, I don't really have much to say about that. It's just that like I highly recommend re listening to audiobooks or, uh, or checking out some of these old-time radio shows. Um, other than that, you know, not much is going on. Still winter, still cold. I finally got to go for a run today, and it was miserable. Not because uh, it was not nice outside. It was really nice. I mean, for February. For February 6th, it was like almost 50 degrees. That's beautiful. The problem was I haven't run in like three weeks. And so I am so sore right now and so tired. And I, I could only do like four and a half miles because I'm really out of shape. Man, the holidays kill they kill like we overindulge with food and beverage and hanging out with our family and being lazy like you need some downtime living in new york especially like everyone here works so much all the time we, all we do is work so we can pay our rent it sucks but if you want to be part of this giant community and you want to be part of the, like you want to live in the the city that never sleeps and be able to do anything you want and access everything you have to pay to play right so that's cool, and I understand it. It's just that um, when you get that little bit of downtime, that time to yourself, it becomes so important. Here's another funny anecdote for you. Once uh, my brother came to New York City for um, New Year's. I think it was, it was this was the first New Year's he ever came to New York for. And he wanted to go out, and he wanted to have a good time. I was so exhausted from the work week, and just having, like, Back then, I, I still had a studio, and I, I had a gallery, and I had, a, you know, it was a small gallery in Brooklyn, but whatever. And I was working a full-time job. I was barely sleeping. I was working, working, working all the time. So he came up, and we went out for New Year's Eve, and we got good and toasty and whatever. We, we hung out. It was a lot of fun. But the next day, it was, um, you know, January 1st, and, like, all I wanted to do was sleep and lay around and so my girlfriend was over and my roommates I lived with four other people at that time and we just sat there and we watched Monk because you know Monk's a fun show and we sat there and watched Monk all day long and my poor brother I still feel bad about this to this day 
Well, first of all, it was really cold. It was like one degree out that year. And I really did not want to go outside. But he's like, hey, man, can we go do something? And I was like, all right, cool. Just maybe after this episode, um, you know, an episode later, it's like, all right, can we can we go do something? I'm like, yeah, man, maybe like uh, just give me a minute. Like, I just got to gather my thoughts. I got to get up and, and we'll go. We'll go. And then, you know, by about eight o'clock at night, we're still sitting there watching monk on a on a marathon uh he was like i'm gonna go home now i'm like oh come on stop it's like just stay hang out i still feel really bad about this so frank if you're listening i'm sorry i still feel guilty about uh not taking you out to do anything while you're here in new york but my point is that like new york is um it's a wonderful place and uh it's exhausting so anyway Not that much for you guys this week. I didn't, nothing's really happened um, since last week. And I mean, I, you know, there's always good things to talk about. And this week, I promise you, I'm going to write down some of my stories that I think of in, in between recording now and recording again, because during the week, usually at work, and this is why, you know, I fail to remember these things or write them down. So I'm at work, I'm working on other things. And once in a while, a great idea will pop in my head and like, oh man, I could I could talk about this for the podcast. It would be fantastic. It would be amazing. I gotta remember to write this down. And I invariably forget every single time. So my apologies, guys and gals. Uh, I will get better at this. I'm still, you know, pretty fresh in the game of hanging out with you folks and uh, and talking. But, you know, anyway, it, it'll be fun. And, and uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's good. We'll, we'll have good things. I have. I actually have some friends that um, lined up for the summer when there is no NBA that I think are going to make for really good podcasts. Nothing about NBA, but um, you know, maybe a little bit about things that you guys and gals could relate to outside of NBA. Uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, tonight, and we're going to be recording late, so this probably will not come out till tomorrow. But tonight, Gary Jones of the Zardcast is going to be on the podcast, and we're going to talk about the Wizards and about their uh, really slow start and how they've really turned it around. Um, and they're actually playing right now, and I really want to go watch some of this game before it's over. So, we, you know, I'm really excited to talk about some John Wall and Bradley Bill and all that. Um, in other news, nothing. But uh, so Gary's coming up, and uh, after these messages, we'll be right back. Today's sponsor of the Superflight Podcast is Steiner Sports. At Steiner Sports Memorabilia, you can get all the vintage sports gear you've always dreamed of. From posters to baseball mitts, jerseys to signed footballs, Steiner Sports has it all. There's even an online auction where you can bid on memorabilia from your favorite teams or players, like that Allen Iverson signed basketball I have my eyes on. So go to SteinerSports.com now and enter promo code ALMIGHTY to get 20% off your purchase at checkout. That's SteinerSports.com and promo code ALMIGHTY and make your vintage sports gear dreams come true. Okay, now on with the show. All right, take two. Gary, welcome to the Superflight. How's it going? It's going good. Glad to be on. Good. I feel like you just said that. <laughs> yeah, this seems familiar. <laughs> Deja vu, man. Something about unseasonably warm days and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we were talking about. This, this beautiful 70 degree February day. Wait, it's 70 there? It's 70 in D.C. today. You are Record re- record highs. Oh, my God. You know what? Though? Like uh, Global warming doesn't exist, just so you know. Just And then it's it's supposed to snow on Thursday. Oh, my God. That's that sounds insane. Um, but seventy today, I you know, 
I've DC is like no offense, one of my least favorite East Coast cities, just because I don't know. It's it's not that manageable for me. But I would love to be there right now if it's seventy degrees. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I am not a big fan of winter, so this is a good day for me. Yeah, seriously. Um, anyway, so you've come on the show to talk about some wizards, what I'm going to call the wonderful wizards of walls. How's that? How do you like that? I think it's catchy. If uh, if you hadn't already said it on <laughs> recorded radio, I might steal it. But since this is documented, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can take it, man. It's 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 fine. Feel free. Um, yeah. So uh, why don't we uh, tell people how to reach you on Twitter? And do you write it all, or you just do a podcast? Um, I just do the podcast. I've I've tried some writing. There's some like long pieces I kind of have done some research for, and then not actually uh, fleshed out into anything yet. So I'm thinking of venturing into that, but I have not yet. I just do the podcast. Uh, it's Zardcast, which is on Twitter as Zardcast, uh, and then me personally, I'm the Gary Jones on Twitter, uh, and that's Jones with a Z due to uh, the Gary Jones with an S being taken. Oh. Well, that's unfortunate, I guess. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I tried to look you up on Skype, and there are so many Gary Jones, so yeah, it makes sense. Oh, that's why I couldn't find you. I used an S, right? I think on Skype I'm an S, but All right, fine. it doesn't surprise me that there's plenty of us. <laughs> In that case, I'm just bad at Skype. Um, so, let's see. Um, yeah, so you're on the same podcast uh network that i am it's uh the abpn so i just i'll, I'll throw it out there for you if you guys want to follow the podcast either of ours you can go to almighty baller and, and check us out um zardcast is pretty fun i was listening to it again today and uh yeah i you know it's weird whenever i have guests on and I, i'm like what am i gonna like whenever i have team specific guests i'm like what am i gonna talk with you about you talk about this stuff all the time but i don't talk about it so let's do this for my audience um so the the uh the wizards. I'm looking at my wrong. I'm looking at a whole wrong thing here. I can cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> no sweat, man. Um, and I, I think it's a mutually beneficial thing because for for you, you don't get to talk to someone who only talks wizards, and for me, our podcast is essentially only wizards. So you know, I get to branch out a little. You get to hone in a little. Yeah, <laughs> seems like a good deal. And usually, you know, I always say this to my guests. Honestly, like I follow the entire NBA as much as I possibly can, but. I mean, how many games can you possibly watch in a day when you have a full-time job? So I uh, I like to learn from you guys. Whoever I have on, my guests, I like to learn something from you. And I, I like I like to think that the audience does, too. So you're here to teach us today about the Wizards. How's that? Uh, that probably overstates my <laughs> capabilities, but but I like it. Yeah, you'll be our professor for the, uh, for the day. So anyway, uh, so the, let's talk about the Wizards. They're vastly improved this season so far. They started out... What six and eleven for October, October, November? They were pretty dreadful, and I, I think everyone was a, like thinking they were going to have a horrible, horrible season. Um, and since December, I guess they've gone what twenty? I guess twenty four and nine, twenty four and ten now after last night's loss. Is that right? That sounds right. Um, it was definitely dire straits, and I think both nationally and locally, the perception was that the team was a disaster uh, early on. So it, it's really been delightful the last six weeks or so that they've turned it or eight weeks i guess now is really since the beginning of december eight nine weeks they've been just on such a tear yeah i mean life goes by so fast doesn't it <laughs> um what was i gonna say to you yeah so let's see uh 
so I'll just give you some stats. Here, I'm going to give you some stats about your team. that You probably, are, you probably already know these, but uh, yeah. So the Wizards are 10th in points per game, 9th in offensive rating, 10th in assists per game, and uh, they had the 11th overall defensive rating in the league. So I think they started out probably, I think they were in the one at the beginning of the first two months of the season, they were like in the bottom tier of the league in everything, I'm pretty sure. And since then, they've really kind of gelled. And I think there's a number of reasons, obviously, for this. Like John Wall last year was injured. He had knee surgery and coming back, I think it took him a little bit longer than people suspected. Um, but man, he's he's going nuts right now. Right now, he's like he's been playing out of his mind. He's um he's averaging 23 points a game, 10.4 assists, which is second in the league, and he's got like uh he's like 2.2 in SPG, what's SPG? Shots? No, I, I can't. Steel. Oh, Steel. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good at stats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, he's second in PER in the league and fifth overall in plus minus. So he's he's lighting it up. He's doing it. It seems almost single handedly, uh, except for you know Bradley Bills there and, and the Polish Hammer. But what are your thoughts? What do you think? What do you think is the reason for this turnaround? I mean, there's so many possible reasons from coaching to gelling to the bench actually stepping up and playing, and we'll talk talk about all these things but let's start with wall because he's really i think the primary factor in in why they're turning around their season yeah i agree Uh, i think there's definitely a whole host of reasons they've turned it around but you know he's their best player and he's their engine and he is going to be the deciding factor in how well they do and i just think i know personally i didn't realize how much of an effect his off-season surgeries had on him until we saw him come back to form you know because because it wasn't like he was playing terrible to start the season but then when you see him playing now versus what he was doing then it's just it really shows you how limited he was to for the first few weeks of the season until he kind of got right right you know it's i was like Tolling around on the internet yesterday on my day off trying to figure out some things to talk about. And I came across this article by Brian Winhorst at ESPN. He wrote a really nice article, a really, really detailed article about like outlining his off-season injuries and how he had to work so hard to come back from that knee surgery. And I had totally forgotten about this because like I've not been the biggest John Wall fan of all time. Um, I like him. I like his I, his game has, has just taken so much of a leap from pra- past years. Uh, I think my thing... I always just thought that he relied too much on his, his on his physicality or his uh, his speed, and he didn't have much of a jump shot. But he's really starting to like work on every aspect of his game, and it's it's shown so much. Yeah, he's also just an incredible player this season in the fourth quarter. Uh, I was trying to pull some stats also for this podcast, and they weren't. I didn't write them down, but uh, he was basically when you pull up the fourth quarter stats or the clutch time stats where it's like the the final five minutes within five points he's only being outperformed offensively by isaiah thomas pretty much across the board in those numbers whether it's scoring uh points produced total or if it's uh effective shooting percentage true shooting percentage all all of those once you get to the crunch time numbers he's right in the top five pretty much across the board and that really shows in the games too. That's a thing where, you know, if, if you look up at the box score after the game and you see the scoring pre- spread pretty evenly between Wall, Beal, Gortat, 
Porter, you know, say they all have something like 16 to 22 points each. Well, John probably got 10 of his in the fourth quarter. Right. And that's how it goes every game. He he seems to really enjoy that uh, crunch time spotlight, and he has been performing incredibly well in those times. You know, it's funny. I watched I watched their uh, the game against um, who was it two games ago? I forget who they played. Oh my god! Oh, it was the Pelicans. So I watched their game in on uh, League Pass, the condensed version, and it just shows you all the the possessions. Like, just shows you all the scoring possessions. So it cuts the game like a full three hour game down to about ten minutes. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and I was watching, and like the things, the one thing that really jumped out at me uh, was that he, John Wall like really came on in the fourth quarter, like at the end of the fourth, he was just like hitting everything. He was driving to the lane. He was making these incredible passes. And there's another thing, like I don't think he gets enough credit for his court vision. He's passing the lights out. He's making some spectacular, really beautiful plays passing the ball. Like he hit um, Gortat a couple of times last night in the fourth quarter with just these, these, um, these nice passes down around the rim where, you know, he, he kind of, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He kind of, uh, he got the guys to come out to him, whatever. Um, and then just, you know, Gortat got wide open and he just dished the ball to him for a layup. Like a couple of times that happened against, against the Cavs. And it was just really nice to see. Like he's, he's got a really good feel for the game. And uh, I think, you know, he really knows what he's doing, obviously. Yeah, I think he, he does have a really incredible feel for the game. And, and his passing, like you were talking about, is, is, his vision is great. Um, but one thing you said earlier that you thought he over relied on his physicality may may have some truth to it. He definitely, you know, has all, until recently his jumper was not too reliable. It's still the weakest part of his game. But that physicality does allow him to. That's what creates those plays where he draws the extra defender and can drop it off to Gortat or drives draws a defender and kicks it out to Porter in the corner for the wide open three. That's what creates all of those plays. And then if he ever gets it on a long rebound or a steal or anything, he's, I would say, I don't, I would think I might only put LeBron or, or Westbrook ahead of him in terms of who's tougher to stop in the open court. Yeah. I mean, cause he's just so fast. Like you see it every single time there's a play there, there's a replay of one of his, uh, you know, um, fast break plays. He's he just outruns everybody. Like there's guys on the other side of the court already, and he just goes flying through to the rim, and nobody can even catch up to him. It's insane. Um, and I think that like it, whereas like a lot of other players, they come into the league and they rely they rely uh, primarily on their athleticism, and they never figure out like other parts of their game, like shooting and stuff. I think he might be able to do it. Yeah, you know, he might be able to take that step where as he gets older, he'll learn that like. Because you can see it now, he's he's working on his jump shot. He's working on his three point shooting, and and his passing is not going to go away. It's only going to get better. So I think even though like we saw when he came in this year, he was injured and he was slower and he couldn't really make the sort of moves that he would normally. Um, he was still able to contribute, you know, by being able to shoot and dish. And so I think like his athleticism right now is primarily the the thing that he relies on to get him to the rim and drive and kick and all that. But I think he's going to age well as a player, honestly, because he's getting better in every area of the game, not just in flat-out running like Westbrook does, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, it's kind of a trope at this point to, to bring up Jason Kidd as the example for how guards can age properly and, and work, you know, improve their shooting as they, as they lose some of their athleticism. But... He seems like a pretty good model for someone Wall should try to 
follow in terms of career path with that sort of thing. Because Kid came into the league also incredible athlete, incredible vision, and not much of a shooter, but still would score because of how athletic he was. And then as he lost some of that, he just consistently got better and better with shooting. So hopefully that's the kind of arc that John's career can have. Right, for sure. You know, we should, I mean, we don't want to talk too much about John Wall because how much can you really say? He's amazing. There you go. Do you think he's like the best guard in the East right now, the best point guard in the East? I do think that. I think it would have been, until very recently, I would have wanted to say it was Wall, but really in my heart probably would have had to say Lowry. Yeah. Um, But with how sharply the Raptors have fallen off lately, I I can more comfortably say that it's Wall. Um, You know, and then maybe Wall and Lowry are 1A, 1B right now. I think they're both above Thomas just because of his defensive deficiencies, even though he is also outrageous on offense right now and winning games single-handedly for the Celtics. Yeah, for sure. It's funny how you didn't mention Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to get a lot of Kyrie love. From me. <laughs> so wait, let's you know, let's take let's steer off this path for just one second. You were at the game last night against the Cavs. Yeah, and I forgot to mention this. I really wanted to talk about it. What was that atmosphere like while you were there? That must have been incredible. Because listen, I'm. Not a huge fan of it. I mean, I love the NBA and I love really good games. And this game was like everything an AB, NBA fan could ever want. I was getting like jacked up sitting at home watching it on my computer. What was it like at the game? It was nuts at the game. It was if um, if you ever had say you had someone from another country who had not watched a basketball game and had certainly not seen one in person. Mm-hmm. If you just brought them to this one game. They're probably an NBA fan for life. It was bananas in the Verizon Center. The game, like you said, was everything you could ask for. Um, the Wizards' home crowd, historically and this season, is not exactly the most raucous, typically. Um, they, I, I saw somebody posting an article earlier this week where it was just average fan attendance, and they're pretty consistently bottom five. They They really only get the... Fridays and Saturday nights, they do a little better, but they still don't sell out unless it's, you know, uh, Cavaliers, Warriors. Uh, I was at the Lakers game. That one had a really big crowd. And then the Celtics game, the funeral game, that Mm -hmm. had a really big crowd as well. And even when they're big crowds, uh, a lot of times they're still not that loud. And Wall has criticized the, the fan base in the past, as have other Wizards, for just not getting real involved in the game, not getting excited, not getting loud. And what has really brought them out lately, brought out some excitement, is other fan bases kind of being antagonistic. So that Celtics game, the Lakers game, and then last night, the Cavs game, all these teams are going to have a lot of fans that show up to cheer for them. And then once uh, once all the Let's Go Cavs chants start going – it's like the entire crowd that normally would not be uh, that likely to get loud. They just feel obligated to drown out the Cavs fan. Right. And it turns into this kind of battle back and forth, and it just gets really exciting. That's cool. That sounds fun, man. I can't, I can't even imagine being there. It must have been insane. Um, yeah, how much did it kill you when LeBron hit that, that three-pointer, that bank three-pointer <laughs> going out of bounds? That, that was unbelievable. I It just sucked the wind out of everybody in there definitely myself included it was a a pretty crushing blow um 
I was still fairly confident after that going into overtime just because mm-hmm. of how, you know, well they played. But no, well, and then yeah, LeBron well, fouled out too. So it was like, oh, they definitely got this. And I don't, you know, yeah. And Clutch Kyrie showed up. Clutch Kyrie did, did nothing the whole regulation and then <laughs> showed up for overtime. So that's kind of what he does, man. It's kind of, I mean, if, if, uh, if the playoffs last year showed us nothing, the finals last year showed us nothing. That's all he does. He's just, if you put him in a clutch situation, he, the better, the more clutch it is, the better I get, he gets, I think. Yeah. It's, that seems true. If it's, if it's just, Hey, we, we really need a bucket. That's, that's when he's your guy. I mean, ima- imagine if you had that gene for every day of your life. Like, yeah, like put me in a shitty situation. Oh, it's crappy. Sorry. I got to bleep that out. <laughs> put me in a <laughs> crappy situation. I'm just going to really excel. I have the opposite of that gene. Like, you put me in a bad situation. I'm like, I got to go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, clutch Kyrie. Um, but that's awesome, man. I, it, it looked like a really fun game to be at. That's, again, one of those one of those amazing games that you wish you were there. It was so much fun to watch. Like, I'm a big Sixers fan, and the Sixers were on, and I'm like, I, I, I'm going to tune it out for this game. So, yeah, I'm glad I made that choice, too, because the Sixers were awful last night. Yeah, I, I so I think I, I talked to you about this in the uh, Almighty Baller Podcast Network Slack. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that that needed a plug, but why not? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> plug everything, why that, not? That, that, uh, that I'm actually a Sixers fan as well. That's where I'm from uh, before these last six years living in dc so um i would say that's who i watch second most uh like yourself i try to watch as much nba as possible but it really goes for me i you know i catch basically every wizards game maybe half the sixers games uh and then as the year goes on i whittle away the teams that don't entertain me but yeah Who's your least? Who's who have you watched the least? I know we're getting off the path here, but who have you watched the least this year? No, this is a fun topic. I would say, <laughs> it, I I probably the Mavericks. I think is who I've been avoiding. Basically, they they haven't had Dirk most of the season. I Barnes on a new team doesn't intrigue me a whole lot. Um, I I think I might watch them tonight because there's a uh, a pretty light slate of games, and I want to check out Yogi Ferrell, but. You know, I, I can do without the Mavs. That's probably who I watch the least. That's fair. You know who mine is? You're probably not going to believe this. The Warriors. Lay it on me. Yeah, the Warriors. I've barely watched any Warriors. I, I, I get that. I get that. It's a, uh, it's a uh, oversaturation. Yeah. Well, it's that, and it's like, well, the other thing about it is like, there's a lot of West Coast teams I would like to watch, but I'm, I, I have to work in the morning. I can't stay up that late, so. Yeah, I miss a lot of the West Coast teams. Like, I would watch Portland a lot more. Maybe, I, yeah, maybe Portland's up there for me, too. But I just, you know, I, I just can't stay awake for those games. I try. I kind of got into Portland last season because my girlfriend's from there. So, I, hmm. you know, we had some compromises. Uh, you know, I, I want to watch League Pass, but she's like, you know, well, okay, we'll watch the Blazers, you know. Um, and that was really fun watching them last year. And, Hopefully they'll get it together a little bit more this year because I'm not I'm not too into watching them right now. Yeah, I don't think anyone is. But anyway, back to the Wizards. Um, we should talk about some of the other reasons for their their season turnaround. It's just it's really kind of unbelievable to me. I think this is historic too, right? Has ever has a team ever started out with such a terrible record and gone on for like they're what are they third in the East now? They're they're at fourth after last night, okay. but only by you know, a half a game or a game. 
And honestly, they could be pushing for the the second seed. I think before the season's over, they look that that good at times. And with you know, with Toronto falling and Boston being so so at times, um, I think it's in the cards for them. But anyway, listen, let's talk about maybe some Bradley Beal. What do you think about so? Beal was what did he miss like four games this year so far? I think he also came out and missed a few games at the beginning of the season. So like there was a lot of injuries on this team, which obviously had something to do with them losing at first. Um, but he's coming back yeah. and he's, he's sorry. Do you want to, you want to jump? No, in? you go, go. Keep rolling. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anytime you want to jump in, just feel free. Um, he's averaging 21, almost 22 points a game. And his plus minus is five five point four, which is really good. I think the average is well, average is obviously zero. But so if you're a really good player, you're you know like four and up. It's really good. He's he's obviously a really good player. Um, he's hitting thirty eight percent from three, um, which is just a little bit above league average. I thought he would be much better of a three point shooter than that, but it's actually still really. I think thirty. What is it? Thirty five percent is league average. So he's still above league average on threes. He hit some really big ones last night, and he was like, I don't know if he was doing the robot after he hit one of those shots or something, but it was pretty entertaining. Um, and he seems he, like he's finally healthy again, so he's he's having a really big impact on the team. Yeah, it's it's not even healthy again. It's healthy, you know, kind of for the first time. He's, yeah. he's not really ever played a a full season where he played, you know, 70-plus games. And this, I, I have to cop to not really – being the biggest believer in him uh, prior to this year, and thankfully he's proven me wrong so far. He's—it's not that I didn't think he had the talent. You know, I could see the the shooting stroke and his uh, playmaking abilities always been there. But I just, when someone is so frequently injured and then also so frequently kind of pushed to the to the side in the offensive game plan and I, and some people would say that's the fault of wall i think that's more was a whitman issue mm-hmm. um but now that he a is healthy and playing and b is a big chunk of the game plan usually taking the most shots on the team uh it's just working out wonders uh basically all along everyone the the common refrain from wizards fans for the last few years has been if Beal could just average 20, that's what people have always been asking for. You know, Wall's, Wall's doing his thing. And so if Beal could just average 20, they'd be set. And now he's averaging over 20, and seemingly they're they're set for now, you know, at least pretty set. I mean, they are, if they're both healthy, they are one of the better backcourts in the entire league. I, You know, the weird thing for me is that, like, I know you were talking about how you, you weren't that big of a Bradley Beal fan. I actually was higher on him than I was on John Wall for the longest time. And I'm kind of like, I'm coming, I mean, obviously coming around on John Wall. I think he's, he's a much player, much better player than I wanted to give him credit for at the beginning. Not that I didn't want to give him credit. I just, I just thought his whole, like I said before, you know, game was predicated on speed. But uh, Bradley Beal, I've always thought, man, if, that, if he could stay healthy, exactly what you were saying, if he could stay healthy, he's got so much talent. And he just seems to have that sort of it factor you know what i mean where he's he's pretty clutch as well yeah and he also seems to thrive in those sort of moments when he when he gets to take the big shots he he seems to want them and he often hits them um talk about his three-point percentage he does take a lot of kind of challenging threes he's he's definitely one to you know step back into a three or 
dribble around into one or, or take one flying, curling off a screen. Um, so I think if he, which is good, they need him to be taking all those shots. Mm-hmm. But I think if he were in a situation where he was getting more just open catch and shoot threes, he, that percentage would be a lot higher. So, you know, that's a detriment to maybe his stats, but it's it's a boon for the team to have him taking all those shots. For sure. And he's only, what, 6'5", six, 6'4"? Six, he and John Wall are about the same size, right? Yeah. So when you have him... Yeah, con- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think they're both 6'4", right around there. Yeah. So when you have him coming off a screen, like, you know, if he's if he's defended at all, shooting a three-point shot over someone... I mean, I you know, Isaiah Thomas does it all the time. But yeah, if, if he's a little bit taller, he's probably doing a little bit better at hitting threes as well. Um, so there's that, but... Speaking of hitting three-pointers, uh, Otto Porter is leading the league in three-point percentage right now, 45.9%. That's insane. 45% from three is insane. That is insane. It's shocking how well he's shooting. Not that you know, I didn't expect him to do well, and he's getting the kind of open looks that um, I was talking about Beal not getting. Porter, Porter's, Porter's the beneficiary of being you know, the clear th- third or even fourth option sometimes so he's getting wide open threes in the corner or late contested threes on the wing he's getting shots that are a lot easier to make but he's still making them at a ridiculous clip yeah for sure his game is actually he's come around a lot i think you guys correct me if i'm wrong but people in dc were like not very high on auto porter or i think everyone thought he was going to be sort of a bust draft pick because uh, he just wasn't producing much the last, I guess he's in his fourth season now, right? Yeah, this is his fourth season. He he basically got no run in season one, uh, and then has gotten steadily more since then. Uh, and obviously, this year he's a, a huge part of the team. Yeah, he's uh he's he's been playing really well for them. I think um, his defense is pretty stout too. Am, am I correct on that? Yeah, he's he's typically their go-to. Uh, wing defender, wing wing defender. Yeah, I think so. Part of it, you talk about him being a bust, and I, you know, or the thought that he might have become a bust was, I, I always feel feel for guys who kind of are defaulted into that situation. You know, in in another draft, he's probably not going third overall, right? But and and people sometimes. You know, all that the the negativity would be is kind of lands on him, and it's not hit. You know, he didn't control where he got drafted. It was he, he's gonna obviously he wants to go as high as he can, um, but if he gets picked third and produces like a guy who, you know, maybe got picked normally twelfth or something like that, let's say, right? That's not really on him if if the draft is weak and and a team chooses him in that spot. So I, in for him and just players who kind of land in that in that kind of situation i always feel for uh so that always made me kind of pull for Otto, in particular and, and i'm glad that he's he's developed so yeah for sure i mean like of course it's it's you know you you get you get taken or you get taken that has you know very little to do with your potential outcome i guess well i mean it has everything to do with your potential outcome but it has very little to do with how you'll end up with, you know, as a, as a professional athlete. I think that has a lot more to do with, you know, your ability to pick up the schemes and ability to like how smart you are and how, how dedicated you are at working at it. And so I think, yeah, maybe the third overall pick was a little bit unfair for him, but it seems like he's starting to come around. I think my point was just that, you know, 
it seemed like he might go the way of uh, so many third round picks that just kind of flame out when you have these sort of high hopes. When you're drafting, when your team is drafting at the third position, that's all that it is, is hope. You hope that that guy's going to pan out to be really good, you know? Saying unfair or not, it just, I thought that maybe the the Washington fan base was a little worried that he was not going to pan out. Um, so oh, that's... That's definitely true. The Washington fan base for sure was worried he was not going to pan out. I got a buddy who, uh, a coworker, when when the new you've seen the like the stars and stripes jerseys the Wizards wear for the salute to service nights. Yeah. So when those got unveiled, uh, the really nice looking jerseys, my coworker immediately was like, "Ah, oh, I got to get one of them." Uh, but then he was just kind of running through his mind on who he was going to get, and he already has a wall jersey. He says he was. He said he was. Pardon me. Scared, scared to get a Beal jersey because this is preseason, and he, you know, still scared of the injuries, um, and just that he wouldn't get traded, or that he would get traded because of the injuries and him being, you know, probably the best trading chip we had at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "Why don't you get Porter?" And he go, and uh, his his exact response would not be allowed on this network due to uh, <laughs> censoring. <laughs> And and I couldn't believe that, like how much passion he had against Porter. And then I've realized since then that that's that was pretty common at that point. Like, yeah, he definitely was thought of uh, as a as somebody who was kind of turning into a bust. So yeah, again, glad that didn't happen. Seriously, seriously, it's nice to see him taking that step. Which you know, I don't, maybe we should jump around here a little bit, but it makes me think that maybe Scott Brooks is a way better coach than people had given him, given him credit for. But the one thing that people had said about him when he was in Oklahoma City is that he's a really good teacher. Like he he develops guys really well, and you saw it with Westbrook and Durant and like and James Harden. Um, and I think that's holding true in Washington. I think it took a little bit of time for them all to kind of sort of come together and gel a little bit as a team. I mean, their bench was pretty bad, and now it's much better. Um, and his guys, the starters are all playing sort of out of their mind right now. I think Scott Brooks should get a lot of credit for that. What do you think? Yeah, it, it would seem that way. I, it's always hard to tell in, in any sport, uh, how much, you know, the coaching has to do with the player development. But when, when there's a pretty consistent correlation or if the guy has the rep of being a player developer, uh, and then you see it in the young players. You, you kind of have to take that to be to have some meaning to it. And all those guys are young. Wall is still only 26. Beal, 23, I believe. Uh, Porter's young. Ubre, it's only his second year, and all of those guys are outperforming any season they've ever had prior to this one. So you, you got to assume uh, Brooks has a lot to do with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the thing is too, it's not only just here, it's not just with these young guys. He did it in Oklahoma city first. So it's like you have another place to draw from. You have more experience that he, you know what I mean? He, right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. like, normally I'd be like, ah, I don't know, maybe they're just better cause they're a year older. They played together a year longer. But then when you do have that, that background of, of being a solid developmental coach, that's, that's when it makes me think that, that there's a lot more to that. Yeah. And I don't, I, I'm like, I'm not a coach. I don't really understand schemes all that well. And like what kind of, you know, uh, plays people run. And, but it seems like his guys are getting whatever it is he's implementing in that, you know, in, in DC. Um, does it seem different to you than what they had before with Whitman? And like, in what ways? Like, is it 
like is it offensive flowy more? I don't even know. It's, I don't even know how to ask this question. <laughs> it's it definitely flows more. Um, I, Whitman talked about wanting to be a faster team and wanting to shoot more threes and wanting to do this and that, and you never just never saw it on the court. He talked so that you know when they the two seasons ago, pretty much all season long, Wizards Twitter uh, and Wizards blogosphere were just calling for the team to use their advantages and shoot more threes and run more and play a faster pace. And they never did it until they hit the playoffs and used Paul Pierce at the small ball four, swept the Raptors, uh, and then started off pretty well against the Hawks before wall got hurt Mm -hmm. and it went great. And so then going into the next season, going into last season, Whitman talked about wanting to do more of that, do, do what was successful in the playoffs um, but it just seemed to kind of be all talk. He talked about wanting to be fast. And well, didn't he come out the next season and do the exact opposite of that? Didn't they have like one of the slowest paces in the league? After, yeah, that's it, what. Yeah, it, directly after talking yeah. about wanting to play with play with pace and shoot tons of threes, they shot more long twos than almost any team in the league and were one of the slowest paces. <laughs> They're just a plodding offense as they had been with him before. It's like um, watching Doug Collins coach. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically Brooks has just gone ahead and said, hey, you know, that was a, it, I think, obvious to everyone, even Whitman, who he didn't do it, but it apparently was clear to him too. And so Brooks is just going ahead and actually putting that scheme into action and, and the players, it fits them and, and they're excelling in it. Um, the other big difference between Whitman and Brooks is that, Whitman just would not adapt. He he, if a player was struggling, that player wouldn't see the court for weeks. You know, mm-hmm. the, he he would completely put a guy to the end of the bench, and they would either lose all their minutes or most of their minutes or a big chunk of their minutes. And, uh, you know, well, Brooks, you know, Scott Brooks is kind of doing that too, right? I mean, he's shortened his bench now. They're only they're only playing like nine guys, right? They have sort the, of a, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but he's kind of doing it. It's he's just kind of been tinkering all season long. So it's basically what he, the way it seemed like he he spent the first several months kind of trying this, trying that. He he have all sorts of different lineups playing together, and then you know he'd hit on one, he'd ride it for a little bit, and if it started to slow down, he'd mix it up, try something new. Um, and yeah, like lately Thornton's been relegated to. DNPs or or barely playing, um, and in his in his absence, you've had a lot more minutes for Sadoransky and and uh, Trey Burke. Um, even McClellan's getting some play over Thornton, but it just seems like he's he's more willing to experiment. And I think the under Whitman that that two and eight start that the Wizards had would have been a lot more likely to. to continue on in in misery just because i it, it he never showed any ability to adapt and brooks seems to be showing that well you're telling me we give me tell me correct me if i'm wrong here but wasn't whitman the coach that uh used the dryer race board and couldn't figure out how to write on it during the playoffs and just kept turning it upside down and, and upside down I mean, there's nothing on it he just had to get to the other side that was yeah, the single the, best thing he ever did as a coach i'm just saying 
Yeah, man, he created a, a gift that'll live on forever. So <laughs> it's one of the best. I cannot like to this day. I still watch it. It cracks me up. I don't know what he was <laughs> trying to figure out. It's like it's a it's a dry erase board. It's it's and then there's nothing on it. It's the same on both sides. Like you're just flipping the card. I'm like, what are you looking for, man? Um, that was so good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you, listen, at least you got that from him. <laughs> yes. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway, speaking of Sadoransky, man, that kid's like, oh, he's not even a kid though. He's like, what is he? 24, 25, 26, something like, that. I think he's a really old rookie, isn't he? He, yeah, he's one of the guys who stayed in Europe for a few years and then came over. Right. Um, he looks, he, he looks, he looks really good. I mean, in the limited minutes that he's getting, he's, he really knows the game. He's impressed me every time I've seen him play. Yeah. He, when there've been, there were a couple games earlier in the season where they gave him big minutes and he really stepped up in those games. Um, and then lately in, he's kind of getting a more consistent amount of time. He's, he's kind of coming off as the, maybe like the third or fourth guy off the bench. And he, is producing really well. He makes, like you said, he makes more passes. He's really pesky on defense, and he's and he's long, and he's he's pretty athletic. So seems like he's a you know he bothers wing guys on offense, and is definitely you know more productive and more comfortable, I would say, on the court than than most rookies. And that's probably because he got to play a few years in Europe, but it's, it, it shows in his play. Yeah, for sure. Uh, him and like, well, Ubre, obviously we talked about his second year, right? Ubre's in his second year. Yeah. He's, he's really stepped up. And, and then Trey Burke, like, I thought that guy was like done because he's, he seems like a little bit of a knucklehead, but it seems like uh, Brooks got, is getting the best out of him too. He's, I think he had a couple of really nice shots the other night. Yeah. I, Trey Burke is, probably my my least favorite of the rotation guys at the moment but you know I'll, I'll gladly have him in there instead of Thornton um it might just be because of how much I enjoyed Ramon Sessions the last season uh that I just he's such a like a direct replacement he's like another mm. small guard who comes in the backup wall uh and just leaves me wishing it was sessions. So I think that might, that might taint my view of him, but he has been doing a lot better uh, since the, he, since they've been playing better lately. Yeah. It's actually fun to see, you know, Washington play well too. Cause it, I feel like it rarely ever happens. So this is a, it's been actually a pleasant surprise. It's, it's got me tuning in and I, you know, they're one of the teams that I don't get to see that often. Oh, wait, all the teams except for the Sixers are teams that I don't watch that often. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to have them playing so well, and just again, like just to go back to this incredible turnaround. I think you got to give Scott Brooks a lot of credit, and I think you know John Wall being healthy helps a lot. But here's here's a here's a question for you. So we talked about this a little bit. Do you think they can make it up to the second seed in the East? Yeah, I think they can. They've still got. Uh, I want to say I know they just have one against the Celtics, but I think they might have two left against the Raptors. Um, they play really well against both of those teams, and they're just—they're on a tear. The, I don't, and the Raptors are falling apart, like you said. The Celtics are often just so-so. They definitely can. Uh, mainly, my concern is don't finish four or five. I really—it <laughs> would be—it <laughs> would be really cool to see the third round, and it would be really uncool to see Cleveland in the second round. As yeah. much as much fun as that game was last night, I. 
it would be much nicer to have the potential to see them three rounds in instead of two. Oh my god! After that game last night, I was like, I just, I just had daydreams of that being the Eastern Conference Finals. Like that would be so much fun because they match up really well. You know, it would be a really exciting series. Yeah, they would. I mean, if it was anything last like last night, you, you're you're looking at all the games, both teams being pretty easily over 100 points just for you know the casual viewer if you're not a fan of either team that's that's going to be fun to watch for sure do you think they could give lebron and company a run for their money in the playoffs i mean they're playing really well they're they look like on most nights they can beat most teams but i don't know man what do you what do you think we saw it last night i think as much as the cavaliers have or as much as lebron has bellyached the last few weeks about like they went on a little bit of a dip and he's complained that the front office wasn't spending money to get him players. You you still see when he wants to, he can just turn it on and like they're the Cavs are nearly, or I should say the LeBrons are nearly impossible to beat. Yeah. I, I don't think they would beat the Cavs. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to delude myself in that way, but I, I, I think so. If you remember last season, this playoff, the, uh, in the first round, the Pistons gave the Cavs just a really tough series. I mm-hmm. mean, they got swept, but it was every game was a really close game. Yeah, I think a Wizards Cavs series would be similar to that. I think they would get a a couple games, um, but I think it would be a series where even though the Cavs are gonna win, and you can probably write that in pen before the series, every game is gonna make them sweat a little bit and. You know, I think that if you had said that prior to the season or even several weeks into the season, you would have got laughed at. And now you can say it on somebody else's podcast and (laughs) you're not a crazy person. Well, we're not going to make a judgment about your craziness yet. But um, (laughs) (laughs) no, but it is great to see. It's a lot of fun. It's been like, you know, the, the great thing about the NBA, it's a really long, long season, right? There's 82 games in a season. It's it's so much to take in but throughout the course of the season so much changes and it's just so much fun to watch like when your team starts out at you know six and eleven and since they're like the fourth best team in the in the east that's so much fun to watch yeah really is a blast and just yeah like for terms of storylines and just how much more emotion it brings out in a in a fan base when when teams have up and downs and just roller coaster rides across the league. It, it's just, it is a lot of fun. For sure. Oh, and I forgot to talk about Marching Gortat. Uh, I just wanted to say that he's got my favorite nickname in the league next to the process. He's got the best nickname in the league, the Polish hammer, man. That is so good. Who came up with that anyway? Do you know? I don't know. I know that he actually prefers the machine Oh, and really? no and yeah, and no one will accept it. He's, <laughs> he, he's come out come out publicly to say that he prefers the machine uh, of his two nicknames and everyone's like, okay, Marchin, well, we're going to keep calling you the Polish Hammer because that's way better. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Polish Hammer, we got you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's terrible. I didn't even know about the machine. That's that's awful. That's a horrible nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for the laugh. Uh, um, anyway, you got anything else you want to talk about? I think, uh, I think that's all for me. Um... I'd like to shout out uh, Otto Porter's work ethic. There you go. So he, I have had the ability to go to a couple games early with the the early entry this season. Um, let you in two hours before game time. 
And wait, let's talk about that real quick. How do you get that? Uh, I am a season ticket holder for the new uh, arena football team that's going to start up in the Verizon Center, the Valor. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that you can get some. I mean, that costs like nothing, but it comes with. And I don't like kind of got those sort of as a joke with some friends, you know, just as something fun to do this spring, summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has come with some nice perks for the other monumental sports teams, uh, Wizards, Caps. Got to go to a Mystics game last season. so That's cool. So go on. Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> get you off the path here. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Um, but anyways, Otto is out there. It hasn't been a ton of games I've done that. But when I have, Otto is out there at 5 p.m. shooting constantly. He's out there with like the rookies and the second-year guys. It's It's – Daniel House and Sheldon McClellan and Otto Porter out there working on their game two hours before game time, seemingly every game, which would speak to, pardon me, um, speak to why his shooting numbers have gone up so tremendously this year. Right. You know, I think about this a lot. Like the casual fan will be like, oh, that guy doesn't want to win. The guy doesn't work at it. Like these guys, all of these guys, not just like Otto Porter, but all of these guys down to the guy, the last guy that the least motivated guy on the team, they all work so much harder at their craft and their game than I've ever worked on anything in my life. It's, you know, if you compare it, it's really embarrassing for me, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's crazy when you see, like, they have to put in so many hours to begin with. And then when they're out there, like auto Porter is out there two game, two hours before the game starts, just shooting, getting up shots. That's insane. You gotta, you really gotta appreciate that and admire it. Yeah. It's, it's bananas how hard these guys work. And it's really cool to see it when it pays off. Yeah. Like that, you know, it's funny because uh, I think it was the um, the Windhorst ESPN article. He was detailing about how, you know, John Wall was working back from injury and stuff. Just like the hours, like up to eight hours a day doing rehab stuff just so you can go play a game. That just seems insane to me. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's just so much, like so much. I run on occasion. You know, I do like I try and get out a couple times a week, not in the winter, but and every time I go out, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I can't imagine what these guys put themselves through. It's really insane. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I broke my leg up actually playing basketball maybe uh, seven, eight years ago, I guess it was. And uh, I, you know, did the absolute bare minimum amount of rehab. And it showed in the fact that I, like, couldn't run for basically a year and a half, uh, at least not properly. Wow. And, yeah, and then you – talk about in that article john wall's doing eight hours of physical therapy work in a day is insane i wouldn't even you know like do the stretches that take 10 minutes i wouldn't even i was too lazy to do that seriously i tore my rotator cuff playing basketball a number of years ago and i never i went to the doctor he's like yep you, you tore something i was like okay cool he's like i can send you to a specialist i'm like no i'm good <laughs> never got it fixed i can't shoot i mean i never could shoot but i really can't shoot now you gotta have to. You gotta factor what what uh what it does to your shot. Maybe you know pushes you left. You gotta like fa- uh, compensate for your hook or your slice or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm just bad at basketball. I, I Defense will never know what's coming. You'll be shooting way off left. And <laughs> they'll just leave you alone, and it'll bend around and go in. It's a boomerang shot. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think we're digressing here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. That's fine. That's that's the most fun of a podcast. You know, you get to talk about whatever you want because it's your podcast. 
Yeah, on uh, on uh, on Zardcast we do a uh, dedicated chunk to just talking about Young Pope every week. So no, yeah, tell me, is that is that show any good? My wife keeps talking about like maybe wanting to watch it. I'm like, I don't know. I hear anything's. Uh, I'm not that into it, and I would certainly have stopped watching it by now if I didn't have to talk about it on our <laughs> podcast every week. But the other two guys, if you if you were talking to them, they love it. So really, two out of th- two out of three yeses and one no. Well, as the song goes, two out of three ain't bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, I usually do like this random winding thing in the beginning, so I'm good on talking, but, you know, there's always good stuff to talk about. But anyway, Gary, listen, I'm going to let you go. Plug your stuff again. Plug your plug your podcast that can be found on the same podcast network as my podcast. All right. Podcast is Zardcast. We put one out every week. Um, it's also on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. I'm Gary Jones, and I'm on Twitter at the Gary Jones, Jones with a Z, and uh, that's about it. Cool. Well, Gary, thank you so much for coming on and talking some Wizards with me. Maybe if they get into the uh, playoffs, if they get into the playoffs, maybe if they get like to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, you should come back on and we'll talk about them then. Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe if uh, Sixers, if Embiid starts playing again, gets on Sixers get on tear, if they claw their way up to the seven and play the wizards at the two <laughs> that would be fun I know, I know we're dream i know we're dreaming big there but <laughs> if it happened if it happened we gotta talk it out oh my god yeah if that happens you can like we'll talk every night how's that every time they do a game <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get on the line deal <laughs> all right cool man well thanks for coming on again i'm gonna let you go and uh yeah well i'll, I'll see you around soon probably all right sounds good all right bye-bye later well, there you go. Gary Jones from the Zardcast podcast, uh, the Wizards um, 18 podcast on the ABPN network. There you go. Free advertising again. Well, it's not free, but whatever. I mean, everything's free. Everything's free and not free at the same time. Uh, anyway, I'm uh, going to get out of here. Thanks for listening in again, guys, and I hope, and gals, and I hope you had a good time this week. Next week, I'm going to have more crazy stuff to talk about, I'm sure. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye bye. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with a spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.